All right. I think we finally turned the corner this morning. I got to have coffee out on my on my deck. It was nice. So we're going to be talking about the origin of sin. Uh, it's kind of our last discussion as we talk about sin and, and its nature. Uh, we could go on and on and on. Uh, but we don't have, uh, if we're going to stick to a schedule and try to get through this, uh, we'll get to some other topics here throughout the year. So, uh, But we've been trying to establish kind of the correct position of man to God, where we're at. We have to understand our actual position if we're going to understand correctly what Christ did. So, um, so there are some different theories on the origin of sin. In fact, it's kind of a play on words because we talk about original sin. Well, what is the origin of sin? Uh, and so we ask the question, why does sin exist? All right. Why would God make sin? Well, we kind of talked about this last week. Uh, I think it was last week or that or the week before, when we talk about the different definitions for sin, that sin is the, it might have been the week before, the, the, the absence of good. It's not really an existing thing as we understand it. So I want to turn to Job chapter 34. We'll start over here. Don, do you want to read uh, Job 34, 10 through 12? So listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do evil, from the Almighty to do wrong. He replays a man for what he has done. He brings upon him what his conduct deserves. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. Okay, so... Um, the idea uh, that, like even even Calvin said that that God had to foreordain the fall of man, which includes sin, that's so offensive. Right? But we talked about how if you're going to hold one of those doctrines, you're going to eventually get to the rest of those doctrines, to the rest of Calvinism. You can't, you can't start eliminating little pieces of it and end up with any type of a consistent doctrine. That, that's why it exists, because someone had a partial doctrine and someone said, well, wait a minute, what, if this, what, why not this? So, um, so when we ask the question, why, does, why, why, did, why would God make sin... Right, that, that to a lot of people, that can't. That's that didn't happen. God can't have anything to do with it. Right. So the next thing that that people believe is, well, where did it come from then? It comes from the free Okay, so so it comes out of free will. And a lot of people will say something even different. A lot of people say, well, 
Satan must have made it. You know, almost like like the, it, we get back to this created existing thing when it's not really. Yes, Mark. It gets back to what we were talking about a few weeks ago, where it's the, the absence of doing God's will. Yep. It's it's simply the truth of what is. Right. It's not a created thing. No one made it. So Genesis chapter 2, I want to get into that. Um, is a, Genesis chapter 2, verse 4 through 9. I'll I'll read this one a little bit longer here. It says, uh, uh, These are the records of heaven and earth concerning their creation. At the time that God made the earth and the heavens, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. For the Lord had not made it rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. Mist would come up from the earth to water it, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground and, and breathed in the breath of life into his nostrils, and man became a living being. That's the backstory, right? Lord God planted a garden in the east, and there placed the man whom he had formed. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance for, uh, and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, so... What is this tree, first of all? It's important. The, the one, there's two important trees. We have what? Tree of life. Tree of life, and the one we're concerned about. It's the tree of what? Knowledge. Knowledge of good and evil. You can't have a knowledge of something that isn't uh, an existing concept. Yeah. You know, looking, I, I never really thought about this, but evil and sin have probably existed before this point. If you look at Satan and the fact that he was doing what he was doing, and the fact that the New Testament says he was a murderer and a liar from the beginning, that had already existed, and this kind of reinforces that. <laughs> how can you know about the evil? Right. Okay, so, so that's, that, that's exactly where we're going. So that backs us up to whatever point that Satan came into existence. And between there and whenever he decided to not be what he was supposed to be. Right? God, again, God doesn't make evil. He doesn't make uh, sin. He has nothing to do with it. We read in Job. So whatever Satan was designed to be, his name wasn't a dirty word at the beginning. Right? It, it's become associated with, with whatever he did. Uh, he was designed to be a good creature, an angel of some sort, you know, uh, whatever type, whatever level, what, uh, how, we, how we talked about that. We don't know exactly what he is or was. or uh, So I don't want to get into that specific, but, but he was designed to be something good. And he changed that nature. So, so before, uh, 
before the fall of man, there was another fall. There was something sinful uh, happening in the universe somewhere. So... Okay, so, so right, this is this is different. So Satan, Satan exists in whatever realm or doing whatever he's doing. It hadn't touched humans yet, right? Right. Satan, having fallen at whatever point, he becomes the he becomes the whatever whatever word you call it. I don't know. Not really catalyst, but he he becomes the thing that introduces this. Uh, okay. All right. So um, now we do want to keep in keep in mind that Satan didn't make no. evil. Yep. If it's the knowledge of good and evil, could they not have still done evil but not? Oh, yeah, that, that is an interesting question. What happens when they eat? They were, they were naked in the garden, and they didn't think anything of it. Was reading my notes again. Oh, rats, we need clothes. <laughs> right. What changed? Knowledge. Their knowledge of it. Their knowledge is the only thing that changes. So, so, so the behavior itself has already... <clears throat> been going on right the, the, it's it's the uh the intent it's the it's the motives behind certain things and it's the awareness of things can can a can a child do things that as adults we would say that that's prohibited you don't you don't do that right of course they, we, but we understand that they don't have comprehension of it and so they don't get blamed for it it's highly possible that some of those things that they would get awareness of later, and we know of one particularly, but it's possible that they were doing those in the garden and just had no idea. So uh, so, so, sin is a concept of awareness, and we're going to even get into that uh, a little bit more later. Um, but uh, but I, w- I want to establish, in fact, we're going to get that into that pretty... Um, uh, pretty quickly but sin predates satan the concept of sin not the practice of sin but the concept of it because what is sin well we all those it's the absence of good it, it, it is whatever is opposite of what is good well how long has good existed As long as God has existed, which is an eternity, there has been a definition of what is good. That means that in the universe, whether it had the capability to be practiced because there were no imperfect beings, there were no created beings to do it, there has been a definition of what is good, and that is God. And so it might be theoretical, you know, as we look back at it, but there was the idea of then what is not God. What is opposite of God. And so what the tree does, the tree doesn't do anything other than introduce that information, that awareness to mankind. 
It doesn't change man's nature, and we talked about that. It doesn't do anything other than introduce him to the awareness. Because like we said, he could have been already doing those things. And God's just not crediting him with it. Just like a child. Like we wouldn't credit a child. Just like they were naked in the garden. And they were unashamed until they had awareness. We're not supposed to be doing this now. We Oh, we're ashamed now. So, um, so sin... That's the first concept of sin I want to explore, is that it has existed as long as good has existed. It's not a created thing. It's the absence of a good thing. Second, sin is a moral decision, and that's kind of what we've been talking about. right? If a lion kills an animal, which happens all the time, there's no sin involved in that. Why isn't it murder? Okay. That's their nature. That's what God created them to do. Okay. It, 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 there's no moral decision involved in it. They don't have the capacity. They're not made in the image of God. They're not made with a moral capacity. The, the, the gazelles in the, in the Serengeti don't stand up and say, you know, we need a law. It, they don't exist in this plane. <clears throat> where there's a moral weighing of these concepts. Uh, and and, and this, is, this is unethical, the lions doing this to us all the time. So uh, it's an absurd illustration, but, but it serves to, to illustrate the, uh, an, a, rea- a reality. And that is that, that sin implies a moral decision. So without the ability to have the moral decision you don't get credit for it, right? Um, So sin was already a reality. Uh, Okay, do you want to read Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, just to illustrate this a little bit? I'm going to read a couple of scriptures here. Okay, so even before man sinned, what was God doing? What's behind the the con? What's behind the command? I feel like there's a guidance of God. Okay. What's God, what's, what's God trying to accomplish with this command? M- multiple things, possibly. To save them from this knowledge. Okay, he, he's, protecting, right, he's protecting Adam and Eve from the knowledge of it. Because as long as you're ignorant, you don't get, you don't get blamed for it. Right? So he, he's protecting him. Ooh. So, what do we have? What do we have with this statement? What is it? Well, I guess it goes back to the question of why was there even a tree there that could do that in the first place? Okay, yeah. Mm, that's also true. That didn't need to be there. God made that. He didn't make the sin. He made the possibility for awareness of sin. He made the 
He made a choice. Yep. And so even before awareness of all of the other things, there's still one little awareness. Right? How did Adam sin if he hadn't eaten the fruit yet? It's like one of those catch-22 kind of things. If we assume, as almost all of the religious world does, that, that after the fall of man, he has a fallen nature, that means before the first sin, he didn't have a fallen nature. So how did he fall? He don't have. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a rhetorical question. He had all of the capabilities that we have now. He had an understanding of a rule. All he needed was one rule. All he needed to do was be able to understand one rule. And that's awareness. He had awareness of one rule. And that's where the fall comes in. It wasn't because he, he had a different, we have different nature now than him. We have the same nature. Think about the nature of Adam. Adam had one rule, and he still violated it. One rule. And he still managed to... Why is that different from us? We, you know, oh, the, the thoughts of man are evil all the time, and look how bad we are. He had one rule, and he broke it. It's kind of goes back to that like, meme saying, you had one job. Yes, yeah, exactly. You had one job. Don't eat, the tr- don't eat that. You, I've given you every tree. Don't eat that one. But it looks so good. We want that one thing that I can't have. It's so, like a kid. You know? It's exactly like a kid. Until uh, the other kid wants it, then boom, they all want the one toy that he's got. Right. Just like every adult too. Yes. Right. Well, and so that's the idea, is Adam's, I assume, some sort of an adult. I don't know how old he was or, you know, what he was made, all those questions that we'll not know the answer to. I think it's an interesting point that you make, though, Andrew, because a lot of times we tend to think about these trees as these mystical things and these they have some kind of innate power within them, right? The tree of life has this magical fruit that we live forever. Knowledge of good and evil is this magical fruit that now their eyes would open and all that stuff. And I think we miss the euphemisms. And I think what's missed, importantly, is that you're right. It was the decision to eat, the to be disobedient and eat the fruit. The fruit didn't matter what it was. The tree was named something, so they knew which tree it was that they were supposed to eat from. But it was the action. It didn't matter if it was grapefruit or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was the action is what caused their fall. Yeah. Yeah, they had to make a decision at some point. To me to me, and I don't know where everybody stands on this, but to me there's no it wasn't some mystical tree, it wasn't some mystical fruit. This is the story is about them and their disobedience. Yeah. And their disobedience and their sin is when where their eyes became open. Yeah, I, I think there's something about the tree. Um at least with the other one I know that. God God put an angel there to make sure they couldn't get back to get it. Yeah, so, 
And yet he left it there. I always find that one interesting. He didn't just burn it out. Like, I don't know how many times they walked by the garden like, oh, remember when? <laughs> remember when? Yeah, and just kind of left it there for them. Or to send a message. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, at some point, at some point, at some point, yeah. Um, when we tell someone that you can't do something, there's something about just, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's absolutely right. We have that nature. Uh, so the third concept we want to look at uh, is uh, with the origin of sin. Romans chapter 4, verse 15 Romans 4.15. All right, so he says, where there's no law, there is no transgression. So the origin of sin assumes a law, right? You can't sin where, where there's no law, there's no transgression. So... So this gets back to that main, one of those overarching ideas of sin that we talked about as lawlessness. And so uh, so we, this, an origin of law, an uh, origin of sin assumes the existence of a law prior to sin. In other words, law is not, Moral law is not an idea that God just arbitrarily came up with a bunch of things. Now, there are arbitrary laws that God made. That's not what uh, you can't eat this type of food. There, there are arbitrary things. But the, but the concept of moral law isn't, well, why can't we do this? Or why can't we do this? Why, why would God say that? And, and a lot of people say, well, uh, it's because of, uh, you know, God just made these rules to, to see if we'll keep them. I guess, and, and, and then we get rewarded or punished based on how we respond to those laws. No, that's not, that's not what those, what man learned in the fall, right? Whatever he learned, those were existing ideas. Those were, again, whether, whether it was the, a magical you know, thing in the fruit itself, or whether it was that was just the thing that God used, and however that looks, however that works, those ideas that man gains awareness of are real moral principles. It's an existing law where there's no law, there's no transgression. So before man could sin, there had to be a real moral thing. Law comes from God. It has existed as God didn't make arbitrary moral rules for himself. Right? Like, I'm going to make an arbitrary rule for myself. I can't sin. Okay, that's a good one. What do you think, Jesus? I think it's good. Me, the Holy Spirit. Okay. It, 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 it existed because of his nature. It's who he is. It's who that stuff has always been. And, and, and the tree and all that, like you talk about... Is, is placed there for man. And the awareness of it implies that it's always been there. It wasn't made just at some point in time. 
the tree was made at some point in time. But the, the ideas, the concepts have existed eternally because they're God, just, just like the opposite of it has existed eternally. So that gets us to the next point. Uh, Romans, Bonnie, you want to read Romans chapter 7, verse 9. So just a couple pages over. Romans 7, 9. Okay, now this is Paul talking. All right, so, so we're well past the garden and trees and, and all that. How can Paul say, I was once alive, but then the commandment came? Right, even if we go, well, Moses. Even if we, but by Moses, there's a commands, right? How can Paul say that the commandment came? After he was alive, because he said, I was alive, the commandment came. Right? That's the order he places it in chronologically. But biblically, we know that the command came, at least in generic sense, in the garden. And then maybe some specific ones were added with Moses. So how can he say that? Okay, so how did how was he alive? How was Paul alive, and then the commandment came? When we know that historically, that's not true. He became a Christian. He was born alive. I mean, uh, Paul was born anew, so then the commandment came to him. Okay, th that would be that he was dead, and then was so that would be he was dead, and then became alive. But he says, "I was alive, and then I died." So like. Morally speaking, I died. What's that? It's chronological. It's apart from the law. Is what he's still talking about. So. Yeah, I, I, I think the point we're trying to get to here is the fact that whenever, before he knew what sin was, before he was taught, whether by the religious leaders or laws of the time, because you can find out that you're doing something wrong by... Even if you've never been taught by, like, oh, look, the police are here because of something I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was that was that. Yeah. You know, before that awareness, like we go back with kids. You know, Jonathan doesn't know not to do certain things. We have to teach him that. He right. Doesn't understand that it's not good to do these things until he is informed. It's not good to do those things. Right. Once he understands that, he can be held responsible for it. Yep. Before then, it's kind of hard because he doesn't understand. Right. And I think, Mike, you were hitting on something, and, and I, I want, want to jump to it. It's not about chronology. This isn't about chronology. He says apart from. I mean, there's, there's a chronology in here, but, but it's not about the, the order of when the commandments were created. It's not that chronology. It is a chronology of types. The chronology is that he was born innocent. This is a denial of original sin. He was born innocent. He was born spiritually alive. And he had to get to the point, just like Adam, just like every other person, where there was an awareness of wrong. He said, then when that revived in me, when, when the law, he's like, the, and he goes on, he says, <clears throat> the thing that I thought was going to produce life actually did the opposite. Just like Adam. Right? 
Oh, great, we have this awareness of sin. No, bad. <laughs> now you realize that all the stuff you were doing was wrong, right? I'm sure Adam and Eve did wrong things. Didn't understand what they were doing. Now they have the awareness of it. Now they get credit for it. And that's, he says, then I became like aware that the, the commandment came to me. In other words, he had the capacity and so, so, so sin. It's kind of tricky to try to explain it. Like yeah, that. isn't it? It's hard. You, you can say, I'm sure they did wrong things, but at the same time, it wasn't wrong. Right, right. Right, right. So, so if a if a baby, you know, if a baby bites somebody, is it wrong? No. But if it's an adult, it's wrong. Like we we punish our kids, even you know, we're eight and nine years old. They bite. The, the brother, like, okay, you're getting punished. You know better than that. And he, he says it a couple of times. You know, it says, but sin season the opportunity afforded by the commandment. Yep. Or, yeah. He says that twice, actually. Mm-hmm. Seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment. Because, and even again, before apart from the law, sin is dead. Right. Like, once, once you know, there's no going back. Right. <laughs> And, and so that's, that's why we're, we're emphasizing all these concepts that sin assumes the existence of law and then sin assumes a moral decision and sin assumes, therefore, awareness of something. I have to have awareness to be credited with the, the behavior itself is not necessarily considered a sin. Uh, it is getting the credit for it. Uh, where at least it, it affects me. It might be considered a sin in God's mind simply be as a thing. This is wrong. But I'm just not getting the credit. It's not imputed me as such until I am making that decision to understand and choose the wrong. And so the, the last one, James chapter 4, verse 12, not the last one for today, but the last of these concepts. And then we're going to start getting into some of the implications of it. Um, James chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, David, if you want to read that. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. You who are you to judge your neighbor. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Okay. So, the existence of a law assumes a lawgiver. We don't have laws where there's no lawgiver. Like, we didn't come to the new world and find a constitution. I was like, wow. Nobody here? There's this document. Amazing. We assume that, that... Wherever there's a law that, that people have, or someone sat down and, and made this law. It's in, because a law is information, right? It's awareness. So, so you can't become aware of information unless the information exists. Well, where did the information come from? When things don't, in, in our universe, things don't spontaneously generate. And that's true for information as well. Things don't exist for no reason. They came from somewhere. And so, so information is the same thing. It exists. Uh, so 
It came from somewhere. No law was ever put in place without an authority. It's a principle, an idea. And so once we acknowledge any type of universal law, even one, even one, we acknowledge a lawgiver. Oh. Well, there's a lot of things that people debate about whether it's morally so or morally no. Or... But we all kind of know murder's wrong. It only takes one law. It only takes one law for us to acknowledge that there is a lawgiver because there's information. So let's uh, look at some implications. We won't get through this whole thing, I don't. Well, maybe. Um, oh, I, um, actually, I'm going to try. Uh, Romans chapter 5. This is a little bit longer. Um, Dave, uh, Dave, um, Barry, do you want to read Romans 5, 12 through 21? Romans 5 is a little bit longer. Verse 12 through 21. Okay. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sin. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking the command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All right. There's a lot of stuff there. We'll try to work on a little bit of it. Um, as you might know, this is probably one of the foremost detailed texts, maybe the even more than Ephesians or more than um, uh, Romans 8 used to discuss original sin and predestination. And when we first read this, right, there are elements that we go, maybe they're right, talking about the one man and now death spreads to everybody and all this stuff. Are they right? 
Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things I think here that actually completely undo that argument. And and so we're going to look at some of those. How does death spread to all men here? He says how because what? Everybody sinned. Oh. He didn't say because Adam sinned that death spread so, so right away, right away, Adam is not directly responsible for my sin. I am directly responsible for my sin. We're, we're not saying anything different from what we've already said. Adam was responsible for the awareness. That's all he's responsible for. It is now a part of humanity. Whatever happened in the garden, that, that, that magical, whatever it was, Adam still doesn't make me sin. He doesn't still make me be born with sin. He makes me exist in a world where I will become aware of it. I will then make my own decision. Well, to blame Adam would be like, I blame Adam and then I don't sin. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's the first thing. So Adam impacts the human race not by a direct, um, direct guilt, but uh, through knowledge only. Uh, now, the first sin here corresponds to the origin of death, right? That, that we know, right? We go back into, the, into Genesis 3 and we see, well, now sin, in, sin came. I'm impacted physically. Right. All, all people. That, that is an introduction of death. We, we work the ground until we die. That's, that's an impact. Uh, so from dust you came, dust you will return, and, and all that. Paul does not refer to that as a metaphor, but as real. And so, therefore, Paul then connects the idea to the reality, and this is interesting, he connects the reality of, of what Adam does to the reality of what Christ does, like, like in a mirror image. That's important. Um, now, there are, a, there's an incidental idea here. Then um, I'll just state it briefly. That is, that there, there are, in Christianity, there are those that try to marry up the concept of evolution with the Bible because we're under pressure to do that by a world around us and an education system that's fairly well decided on what they think. But Paul speaks of this in literal terms. He does not speak of it in metaphorical terms. He, he bases the idea of what Jesus did in reality based on 
the idea of what Adam did in reality. He treats it as a very real event and says this is the basis for which Jesus did this. Evolution is based on the idea that many generations produced humanity. That means you have to have death and lots of it. And the problem there is that Paul says, nope. Death enters humanity through a sin of a fairly highly advanced human. Right? A human who already had exist- ability to communicate, ability to comprehend, weigh decisions, all of that. It begins with Adam. Death starts here. Death does not start before him. There is no death before Adam. It's not a long process to get to Adam. It's not a metaphor. Uh, there are numerous places by that. I don't want to get bogged down into this. Paul addresses it and treats it as a real event. Jesus treats it as a real event. In fact, the Bible says Moses didn't speak in metaphors. Prophets later spoke in metaphors. It says Moses spoke directly. He says, Moses spoke, and, and he, and because people were less trained spiritually, so they needed no metaphors. They wouldn't have understood metaphors. There can't, the metaphor, in other words, would have to mean something. The metaphor gets lost in what Jesus does. If, if, if there's a metaphor, well, then, then Jesus is a metaphor. Because Paul marries Jesus up in the mirror image of Adam. And, and, and all through this chapter, he treats it as a very real thing. He speaks very directly. He speaks doctrinally. Uh, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, like all these statements are very literal statements. They're uh, postulates. And if A, then B, then B, then C. That's the way Paul speaks. So I want to jump to something that affects what we're talking about. And that is the idea of Calvinism. And this is where we're going to close out this particular topic before we come to the concept of Christ, his work, and grace. The reverse comparison of Jesus also invalidates Calvinism. Right? Because it's literal. What Christ did was literal. Paul states that Jesus' remedy is a mirror image of Adam's sin. Well, what does the Bible teach that Adam did? Well, what does Calvinism teach that? See, Calvinism teaches that through one man, all sinned. And and, and this original sin spread to everybody through his one decision. Well, through, if we're mirror imaging that, what should Jesus' death do? We should have original grace. From Jesus' death, there should be nobody who's going to hell at this point. Because Jesus is the opposite of Adam. 
So any discussion of original sin would only exist up until Jesus' death, and then it's over. That's a moot discussion for between Adam and Christ. That's the, that's the theory. If we're going to follow half of, if we're going to follow the first half of it, we have to take the last half of, of what Paul is saying here. We can't just take out the parts that, that fit my theology. At this point, every person should be born in grace and get this predestination. Any closing thoughts? We're a little bit over time here, so. That's a, a big section. Okay, we're dismissed.